the wake of a long and terrible war, our story awakens. With a future that is challenged by evil forces and tempered by powerful magic, a world struggles to find its destiny. A destiny which you now find yourself a part of, as the prophecy has foretold. These are the savage tales of Eberron. Now, settle in and prepare yourself for the thrilling adventures of our brave crew as they seek to make their own fate on this week's episode of Mourners of Lazar. Good evening, everybody. I'm Kevin, and I'll be playing Ruskull. I'm Ellie, and I'll be playing Dana. I'm Michael with Torlin. I'm Ernesto with Truco here. I'm your Dungeon Master, Philip. Welcome to Mortars of Lazar, Season 2, in the name of Seer. Thank you for listening. And for tonight's background question, we have, what relig- religious belief has had the most influence on your life and development? We all know I'm I'm not a religious sort of guy, but I've talked about before how I was a, an angry, petulant little shit growing up on the rough side of the surface of Metro. Well, that didn't go away just because I got a fancy jacket and a set of wings. I still held a lot of hate in my heart, and it came out in my flying. Well, my flight lead, Calesta, she pulled me aside after one real rough ride said she saw the fury in my flying and if I didn't learn to control it it wound up destroying me one way or another after debrief Calesta took me over to this uh, holy site somewhere along the bay shoreline a cult called the three faces of war was having a service and she wanted me to join her the three faces represent Dol Dorn, Dol and Dol Azur courage, honor, and cunning that's really all you need to know War consists of those three elements, and it's the job of soldiers and observance of the three faces to know which to invoke at what time. Plenty of honorable and courageous soldiers in the ground, but those are all cunning win wars only to find the next knife sunk in their back. I don't remember where the surface was exactly, just sounds of seagulls and rolling waves. Looked like there was a lot more seats than people, had a kind of run-down look to it. The speaker was a, a knight, a a ground knight, a, an, an equestrian. Lord Raphael, you're solid. Don't remember what company he was with. He read some passages from a, a book they had, talked to pretty messages about when battle's done, about not giving ourselves over to anger, to revenge, because the peace that follows will never last in hearts or in nations. He used words like honor and purpose. Didn't want to hear any of it, but I did. I guess you could call that a religious belief, but if I'm honest, it's not the gods I look to for examples. It's faith I put my feet, it's people I put my faith in. And when I was a prisoner of war in Karnath, I had a lot of free time to think, and that sermon came back to me a lot of times. I was thinking about how much honor went into the mists on the day of mourning, and what good did courage do them. And all that's left is cunning, victory at all costs. But yet I think about Raphael, who showed honor. And I think about Calesta, who showed courage. Now every time I go into conflict, it's them I think about. And I ask, is there a place in this fight for honor or courage? Or is here where I pursue victory at all costs? The more I learn about you, Russ, the more I see little pieces of myself. Because I, I can't say I've ever held to much faith of my own. But it was, it was always the people around me who showed me why folks 
hold to those beliefs growing up in my little village there were there were plenty of folks who uh well, I don't know if you call it worshipped, but you know they they gave respect to uh Boldre in particular, you know, her being the the sovereign of hospitality in the home. That was something that my neighbors and my pop and I always uh always dare best to live. And we had a few neighbors who um were always giving thanks to to Boldre for the hospitality we were able to to show each other. And I always wondered if they needed to give thanks to Boldre for that. If they wouldn't just do it anyways, but they believed she was the driving force and they honored and respected her and no harm came of it, so it didn't bother me. They were good folks. But boy, I've seen a thing or two about uh about what happens when people say they pay their respects to the sovereigns but don't fight with honor funny you should mention the three faces of four and good old old dorn because i don't know if if you guys had the same as a as an aerial unit but out on the front on the ground every year there was there was a little ceasefire for bright blade and sometimes we'd even you know cross lines for the troops to have little contests together, you know, shooting contests. And everyone paid lip service to it, but uh, when push came to shove, a Karn murdered my husband during a Bright Blade ceasefire, so what, what'd that say about about him and his observances to Dole Dorn? Guess he was more inclined towards the mockery. So I guess when it comes right down to it, the, uh, Religious beliefs have had the most influence on my life are those that belong to other people and what came of it. If I ever go down that path, well, it'll be because of the right person. And that's about it. Well, for Torlin, myself, I had my beliefs tested in the war. Combat tends to do that for many of us. Some of us were pushed away from that faith. And it made sense for that to happen. Amongst so much destruction, how can one believe that there is any divinity out there looking out for us? But uh, in my case, it was my, my faith in the sovereigns that kept me going for a long time, and it was helpful to me. It helped me get through and, and deal with some of the, the harder things that I saw during the war. And particularly when I was uh, in that Siren camp some 30 years ago, I was despondent. I was taking pity upon myself and lashing out against the captors who, in all fairness, weren't treating us that terribly. They, they treated us with honor, those Sirens. But nothing could stop the passage of time. And with 70 years of war behind us, most of us in that camp had no hope. Or who was to say that there wasn't another 70 years of war ahead of us? And for us prisoners, that time to just be spent rotting away. And even a long-lived dwarf as myself, that's what I had to look forward to. But eventually what wound up pulling me out of that rut was this dwarf that I'd met. This Brufir, son of Gorarn. I've, I've mentioned him before, a long time ago. In our early days there aboard the Storm Reaver, 
This old dwarf soothsayer, he was calamitous, but uh, had been brought into the prisoner camp, suspected of being an arcanist. Turned out that he was a tale weaver, and he showed me through between listening to some of his tales that I needed dearly to change my course or down this path it would be likely that I would die out here and never see any of my family again. And he told me that the hardships that I was facing now were a challenge and that if I would rise to the occasion and face that challenge with stalwartness then I would find a new path. And I didn't really much believe him at first, but I decided to give it a try, and I began to learn from him the pursuit of music and tail spinning. And eventually I had enough courage to go and write to Dana's grandfather, Rickard. And in that I found a, a new light that helped me keep myself together during that hard time. And so that's what set me on my path to becoming a, a tailspinner. Now, curiously enough, after I had been prisganged onto that Siren ship, the Fletchwante, with Captain Alexei Arland, you know, I reunited with my old friend, Hershen the Unlucky, and he had been in that camp as well. And we had spoken at times when we were, we were on different work units, but he had told me something strange. Every time he had ever come to be speaking to me that I had been playing by my lonesome, and that there was no dwarf, that he had seen no old tailspinner that sat beside me, and that he had never heard of this brew fear. And that is very strange to me, as after now some 30 years past, even long after I met this old dwarf, I still feel his presence at times, a twang of a harp softly echoing amongst the creak of the blow decks from the hall, and a wave of nostalgia washes over me, but when I look around in the dim light, there's no other presence accompanying me but my own. Interesting tale right there, my old dwarf. In my case, if I had to define my relation with religion, I would say it would be a lot of distance, a little hint of curiosity, but disdain uh, overall in my life. I would say I had my times. I, I remember playing with this changeling friend of mine in the streets of Metrol years. And I remember her mentioning the mockery or the betrayer and just shouting people about him. And, and I love this history about someone that was an outcast, right? Which it's how we felt at the time. So it was kind of a a nice relationship with him or the deity. I, I would say I never were taught any of this, so I don't really know like the whole, uh, the, all the deities, I don't know them. Uh, I remember hearing about the elf that I talked to about before, Elisi. She was a great devoter of the sovereign host and Dolara, the deity of the sun and diplomacy and fair fights, and it felt so stupid. Why would you? Why would you want a fair fight? Why would you want diplomacy in this? If you want to win, right? That seems like a stupid god to me. Then there was, I remember, working with this gnome in my later years in, in Metrol and more capable in some senses. And I remember she's speaking about the sovereign of change or the, like, the giver of gifts. I never, never thought could 
she was mentioning and I remember telling this about people wanting people to change and being a bit like all strange about it I I never understood it like at the time at least then I went out of metro giving my circumstances I got into piracy and then the devourer started to appear to be mentioned here and there and I remember Captain Senefia my last captain just mumbling some prayers prior to every fight and I remember she mentioning the, the devourer as well then I get to you guys and this talking this ship and then I'm also hearing about the devourer and I always wanted to keep my distance I, ha- I always had this idea of the power of being at least later in my years, uh, the power with the individual and not necessarily with the deity. And then I started to think more of I have the power to change the world and the, those guys don't, as far as I know. So maybe uh, their power isn't much there more than it is with us. And maybe, maybe there's somewhere here and there's change towards us that we have the power then to imply into the world i don't know it's a bit of a curious idea that i have nevertheless religion just just a such a weird thing nice thank you everyone and russ has a recap from last week that i do and here's what i know we gotta sail our prize ship the majestic griffin to rickety squibs she's limping all the way we're undermanned, running on field repairs and hold patches. I think a couple of times there along the way, I saw seagulls taking bets or making claims on who they were going to gobble up first if we didn't make it. But we did make it, meeting up with old Rickety Hake himself just outside of port. Sailed out to us on a dinghy to talk business before we bring her in. Squibbing is the act of taking a captured ship and mucking it up or rearranging all the bits so it don't look like the old ship anymore. Now that's what we need. So Dana takes old Rickety Hake on a walkabout, and business they talk. Whole lot of business. Takes almost every ounce of loot from the island, and we found our kidnapped crew, Miss Sandara Quinn and Scrimshaw, to pay for the changes. But we scraped by, just barely. Managed to keep some of the magical items, too, like that giant whale jaw with the spells carved into it. I bring up to Dana that uh, I made a few drawings, thinking maybe we could turn half the cargo hold into a stable for a hippogriff. Do what's called a parasite flyer, nestling an air mount inside the ship. I'm no engineer though, so my drawings ain't great. Old Rickety Hake though, he has a suggestion to turn the map room up on the foxhole into the stable. Sure thing, it looks big enough. Means we're not compromising our capacity for uh, legitimate salvage. But it does mean Dana's going to be charting courses in her quarters of the officer's mess. Dana goes and has a heart-to-heart with fish guts about his drinking, and wouldn't you know it, I, I think she makes a little progress. She has that way with people. Meanwhile, Miss Quinn gives me her tricorn hat as thanks for saving her life, and gives it in a manner in which I cannot refuse. It can turn into a skiff on command, and that's, uh, well, I don't have to tell you how mighty useful that might be in our line of work. Evening rolls around. The Griffins pulled in for squibbing and we're put up in the tavern, the crew on Miss Dana's coin. And if there's one thing pirate coves love, it's victorious ventures. There's song and brandy flowing, plenty of both, as we sear and sing the tales of our exploits that got us here. Afterwards, Dana brings myself, Torlin, and Truco and lays it out plain. She's on a mission to rebuild our lost nation out here in the Lazar. She wants our help. 
Now, I wouldn't be sharing the story if I didn't agree to it, so you already know how that talk went. It's going to take about eight to ten days to squib the ship, Rickety Hake tells us. That's eight to ten days. We've got to find us a crew, find a job or a mark, and get sailing. There's still displaced Sirens all over Corvair and beyond. And if you're a Siren who just don't trust Prince Orgev or don't want to sit under a Brelish King's thumb, we're going to put the word out. There's new Sirens in the waters. And if you know how to sail or you're willing to learn, there just might be a spot for you on the crew of the Mourners of Lazar. Nice. So, start at the conclusion of last session, there was a fantastic tale told that increased your guys' glory and reputation. Dana took the heroic status. What did everybody else take? I took the combat edge. With that, I'm adding improved level headed to Ruskell's growing list of edges. That's nice. In case of Truco, uh, I took a combat edge as well, and uh, I choose Killer Instinct, which allows me to reroll a test whenever One I of my initiate favorites. it. Truco doesn't want to lose. Well, on Torlin's case, it's going to be heroic status. It makes sense here with all these tales that he's telling. Some of that world's going to get out there and people are going to start to know who he is. So plus one to persuasion networking and intimidation or something along those lines. If people have a chance of actually having heard your reputation. Yes. So morning dawns on the 15th of Ullaroon and, you know, Rickety's squibs is kind of at your guys' disposal as uh, the ship begins getting retrofitted and repaired and squibbed, make some upgrades. Uh, the ship's going to take seven to 10 days. It's long enough for each of you to take some downtime uh, using the downtime rules, of which is you need at least a week of downtime and then you can engage in a particular activity. And at the conclusion of the week, you may gain some benefit from that downtime activity. So I am interested in knowing what downtime activity all of you are interested in engaging in because you could throw that into interludes and but also kind of get a sense because it's uh, not what you're going to be doing all the time, but you will be taking a considerable chunk of your time during the next week engaging in this activity if you want to. I think Ruskell's going to go right. out and earn some money. Tried and true sword hand fashion. I'm not <laughs> sure what Rickety Squibs has in terms of spell slingers, but he's got a wand arm and Surely somebody out there needs something blasted. <laughs> Doing that kind of thing and, and where this is at, it's not going to be a skill that's going to very much be in demand. As you would find out here, there's not much that goes on. People brandishing weapons is not a common sight here, other than, you know, daggers or hand axes or whatnot. Uh, so you don't get the impression that they ever feel very threatened here. Well, fair enough, fair enough. But, I mean, Ruskell's got a whole suite of other other abilities and, and other talents or maybe somebody just needs you know just an extra hand to help out for a little while uh he could put you to work on retrofitting the ship yeah might as well if they need the the extra muscle yeah okay we'll, we'll flesh that out a little bit more but i got an idea for that then okay all right uh what i want to do is to convince alber to do like a setup of fighting pit and to like play it out as Truco will win and then play bets on it because our being so massive and him being so seems so obvious that he will win and then playing out as he will lose. So Truco will earn some money this way. But I was thinking that maybe that Albert didn't get the message correctly and Truco will lose every time and lose money in that regard. 
So you want to, to play it you out. earn money staging fights with Albert exactly. and having people gamble on them. Exactly. And then losing because Albert, uh, Albert didn't got the uh, correct idea of what this sure. was okay. about. Sure. I'll, I'll let you try that. Okay. Excellent. I do also want to take a, a downtime activity, but first I have to say, Ernesto, this has to be the best awful idea you've ever had so far this campaign, and that's saying something. <laughs> Good job. So in that case, Dana will take some time to center herself while at Ricky's. Okay. I will just earmark this for after the weekends, and then I will, depending on what happens, say, yeah, that constituted training. That sounds good to you. It might. <laughs> okay. I have I have no preconceived notion of this being a, a requirement that I get one of these downtime activity records, so no. nothing fits. That's fine. So then given that, uh, what's everybody up to as your time progresses here? Because you are effectively... Other than apparently now Russ, who uh, sounds like he's going to be seeking out some work from Rickety. You're on land here at rest for the first time in weeks. I think starting with interludes is a good launching point. Gives us a framework for, for getting in the mindset of things. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go first if you don't want to, Kevin. Just... I, I, I would prefer, since this is my first Savage Worlds interlude, uh, to not take the lead on this one. Okay. Since this is your first interlude, Kevin, just to kind of go over, it's your time to effectively take the driver's seat. You can paint the scene, almost kind of step into the role of, of DM, basically, and you can set everything up. You can make it a private scene with just yourself working through it, or you can interact with other players, however you want to do it. So Torlan, going first, you got diamonds. Uh, I imagine either something with downtime or backstory. Downtime is a uh, character studies or works on an object of some sort. What is it? Or backstory, something your hero wants or already has. Might be a material possession, recognition, a political goal, or even a trip he wishes to take to some amazing destination. Interludes is always a case of me square pegging into a round hole here. So Torlin is going and he is looking around town on the first day and in the small hamlet or village. Eventually he finds there is a, a washerwoman that is taking care of some laundry alongside one of these creeks that runs into the bay here that the harbor is built upon. And uh, Torlin is just kind of wandering around nature and uh, enjoying his time ashore and taking it all in. And he's speaking with this washerwoman a little bit, and the washerwoman tells him about these mollusks that they have that actually are able to be manufactured from a, a dye if you collect enough of them. And so this is very of interest in, to Torlin as he has not been able to stay true to his typical style that he has, especially now that he is possibly going to be an officer. He wants to add a little bit of flair to his outfit. So he goes and he collects some of these mollusks, and his hope is, is that they are going to produce a color when added to uh, a bit of a fur trim to his leather armor that is similar to the, the sky blue that the Brillish would wear garnish their outfits with. So he goes and he seeks out a, a tailor in the village to go about doing that for him. And he also seeks out a barber as well as he wants to get a nice beard trim. 
try and do something about this horrible acid scar that he has on his right chin there. After a bit of looking, you actually find um, Rickety has a mender, Matrite, in the village. He's not a fine tailor by any stretch of the imagination. Does most of his work with sails and sailcloth and banners and pendants and things like that that are on flags that are on ships and stuff like that. But um, Saul definitely is the one that this washerwoman directs you to as somebody who might be able to help you out. Darlin walks up and knocks on this establishment, small little hovel, nothing too impressive or anything, but it does have a little sign out front. And is this, is this Saul? Are you here? I'm looking for a, a tailor, a mender. I was directed. Anybody home? You just hit sound back. Out back, I think I heard. So I wander around the back of the house and, and look for him. You see a shifter that's, uh, sitting down on a like a rocking chair he's got a pipe stuck in his mouth just these huge bearded mutton chops that are coming out he's uh quite brutish looking but he's sitting there he's got this whole stack of sail cloth out that he's uh that he's working with oh, what can i do friend. for you well i'm looking for uh somebody who can help me out with some of this armor here but first i've got to commend you on that that amazing thing that you got grown from your face. Oh, it's majestic. He, he nods and he goes, bit of bear blood helps. I see. Yeah, I bet you could grow one with the best of them up on Corona Peak. Never been. Yeah, I've been the southern end of the more holds, but never been to Corona Peak. So, uh, I spoke to this washerwoman down at the, at the creek there to the north of the village, and she said that some of these mollusks that I've collected could be used to produce a some sort of a bluish tinted dye. Now, I don't know, I see you're working with sail canvas here, but you think that I could offer you some wages to work on this when you have some spare time? We're in town for a, a week or so. Oh yeah, certainly. That's something I can manage. All right, so Torlin will make this exchange and he'll leave his leather armor there behind with instructions for the blue trim to be applied. And uh, he'll also ask where he can find a barber. And then he'll go to said barber and he'll get a nice... Uh, Sal kinds of chuckles and goes, uh, just find one of the guys that are good with knives. That's about the best you're going to get around here. <laughs> ah, I see. So I'll go to the commons and I'll find uh, in the back there, there's a little alleyway and there's some, some men that are playing dice games and some of them that are throwing daggers. I tell you what, I'll, I'm looking for a barber here, but some of you ever do a little gambling on five-finger filet? Nah, we prefer dice. Too many of us lose fingers working on the ships anyways. Well, Torlin just mutters to himself, yep, that's, uh, those are folks that have been at port too long. When you're <laughs> a chip too long, you, you stop giving a care about such things. Well, how about uh, we wager on some dice here, and if I win, one of you will cut my beard. I'm looking to have it ship-shaped up so it's... You can see this little number that I've done to my side of my face here, and I just want it to be a little bit more symmetrical, nice and pointed at the front. It's grown a little bit unruly here with the, the weeks at sea we've had. I don't need to lose to you to be able to take care of your beard. It's a little halfling that pipes up. Sit back, old man. 
Does this fella seem trustworthy or not? Did he overhear my my jab? Uh, give, my muttering. Give me a notice check. All right, that's a that's a five. I'll keep the five. I mean, when you say trustworthy, you're at a port that deals in stolen ships. No, he does not look like he's going to try and cut your throat. If that's kind of what you're concerned about. I'm concerned but, about but the him level playing of trustworthy is kind of like you're not totally clear on. Any of these men around here you you shared before? Yeah, any proof of your work? I, we've got a couple of sheep out back at one of the uh, one of the ranches that I work on. They practice with. You're you're you'll be good, old timer. All right. Well, it's it's not the hardest thing ever. Just grab your straight edge and and we'll we'll get to it. All right. Who else? Who's next? Who wants to go next? <laughs> Dana's got spades, which is either character spend times alone in quiet contemplation. What does she do? Or backstory, a great victory or personal triumph. So Dana's going to dive into some backstory and she's going to invite someone else to share in it. You know, we've we've been at Rickety's for for a couple of days now. And gosh, I've been I've been running around trying to trying to find some new crew so that we can leave here better off than we came, but well, it could be going better. So in the meantime, I'm going to work with what I've got and I got no complaints about, about that. Russ says he's going to make a good master of arms for uh, this ship. And I've seen him in a scrape, but not in a lot of tight quarters. So, so I, w- I want to see what he's got around mid morning. I go looking for him, and then I find him somewhere in the commons, and say, "Hey, Russ, what you up to? Got a minute?" Just finished up breakfast, I guess. Uh, yeah, what's up, Kevin? So, there's a bit of space in the square out back. I haven't gotten to train as much as I'd like to in these past couple of years, and now we're seeing a few more run-ins than I've been used to these past couple of years. And if you're going to be the master at arms, let's have a little dance, you and I. Not not that kind of dance. Just let's wrap our swords, get them, get them safe for a bit of practice, and I'll see you out in the square. Yeah. You you want to you want to fight? That's that's what I'm hearing. I want to spar. Uh, all right, yeah. Let's shake uh, off the rust a little. All right, I mean, I saw Truco and Owlbear fighting there last night. He lit him up he, real good. It was it was classic. But, Owlbear yeah, well, beat up Truco. What? Oh, you know, it was. It looked like just some. It's probably one of Truco's little, you know, schemes. I imagine there was some. There was some coin getting tossed around on either side. You know how they are. I'm gonna need to have a talk with Miss Quinn after uh, after we're done here. All right, let's head out back then. And Russell, head on back. I've brought some cloth and like leather scraps to wrap our blades with, so that they're blunted for practice. And you know, just kind of do that little hand over hand flourish, getting uh, getting my sword arm ready. You know, it's just stretching it out a bit and drop into a stance and say. Get my sword for me. I, uh, Russ is gonna go for it. Well, I certainly think we're we're evenly matched in the open ground here. Then uh, I think Russ 
just kind of rushes in. Can I take a small step and give you a a not very hard smack, just kind of with as much of my form as the flat of the blade, and say, "Yeah, if yourself open, you're fighting angry." You know, I've I've been there, and and as I'm talking, I keep on you know kind of trading blows to come at you as well. But before the time I was angry. Oh man, there were stories to tell. This one time, have I told you about my first command? And I'm still kind of coming at you, not going easy on you at all. Dana's able to make it through her story and, you know, Russ gets another one or two good licks and then the jacket comes off. I grin and I throw my hat off to the side. So, so my first command, it's in 990, around uh, Lake Baracus. It's hot, it was nasty, even in Karnath. And that's just it, I was in Karnath. I got tapped to lead uh, just a small scouting force, though it wasn't really a scouting force, it was just me, Val, and Merrick. Russ, keep, keep that guard up. Watch where your left foot is. You're falling back too hard. Yeah, it was just me and Val and Merrick, and... Uh, Captain told me I had to go intercept a courier traveling from Fort Zombie back to Carlington. And Fort Zombie, Sovereigns and Six, the Carns have the stupidest names for their forts. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, oh, all right. Now we're, now we're cooking with fire. Good, keep that up. So that meant we were crossing the border. And not just crossing the border, but making some inroads. So first things first, we wound up having to follow this guy from Ford Zombie a ways. We didn't, when we found out about him, he was still there. He wasn't on the road yet. But what are three of us going to do? Assault a fort? We're not as stupid as the Carnes. So uh, we followed him for, oh, a good good five, six miles. You know, we want to get far enough away. Oh, okay, good. That's going to leave a bruise. Good. As I was saying, followed this guy for about five, six miles so that we were far enough in between any encampments out of the way of lookouts. And uh, there was nothing much to it, really. (laughs) Merrick sends an arrow into the tree 50 feet away from this guy. He sees it, gets distracted. His horse starts to dance a little. And... I don't even know what I was thinking. I ran there, grabbed him off his horse, and we weren't asked to take prisoners that day, but I did get his missive he was carrying, and it took some doing to get back across the border because we ran into uh, we ran into the people who were supposed to meet him on the way there. But you know what? I uh, We took care of them, too. I got my squad home. We got some very, very tasty information back to HQ. And that was my first command. It it wasn't pretty, but no one can say it wasn't a success. And you're right off of that stuff for a while, at least as long as you can. So the hat's off, the coat's off, and I get right up under a... Are you fighting with your knife or sword? I never asked. It's knife. Yeah. 
Russ doesn't carry a sword. Yep. And I get, you know, right up under your knife in that way, so that's kind of a... Your knife is between my sword and say, there was a little bit of anger in it. That's when I knew I was cut out for something bigger. How about you? Well, I'd love to stay in chat, but uh, I got to get to work. I'm helping out with, with Rickety. They're looking for some extra hands to help do some of the squibbing. But it's a good story, Captain. You came all this way. You have a week of shore leave and you're getting back on the ship. Try not to let my ri- my mind run too much. It's good to have something to occupy myself with. I step back and I, I let the blade of my sword angle down towards the ground and say, yeah, I want to ask you about that. It's been a rough week. It's been a rough month after that chat we had in the jungle. I want to see where your head's at. My head's on just fine, Captain. I know it's fine to get the job done. That's not what I'm asking. Then what are you asking? How are you? Oh, I'm probably about a few thousand miles farther away from home than I'd like to be. With a bunch of people that I don't know. And a future that I can't determine. I'm used to taking orders. That's kind of my happy place. And if I can't be back home, it's about where I'd rather be. I start removing the cloth from my sword and say, well, that's why we're here, isn't it? We're all a few thousand miles from home going for a new one. Well, ain't a cause as any. Dana and Torlin are both getting bennies for their interludes. Russ or Chuko want to go for an interlude? <laughs> you, uh, are you pointing at me or you're pointing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for okay. it. I just, I just, I just participated in one. You go for it. Yeah, yeah. It made sense. In my case, I got a, I got a heart. Hero practices uh, a skill. What is it? This is a skill. What is it? Uh, or, I, or, or a tale of your greatest love, lost, found, present, or waiting on them back home. Okay. Hmm. It's an interesting one, but I, I was thinking more on the practice a skill. And then, Truco, well, Truco, I, I remember that uh, I had a bet with someone around the ship about playing cards. I'm going to look for Connacht Bar around the place. Maybe Trugo finds him at some tavern, probably the same tavern that we had been at at the beginning, probably speaking with some uh, feminine individuals. And Trugo takes... He's got two ladies around him. Yeah, probably. And and Trugo's going to move towards him. Oh, Cronach, hey, how are you, man? That's my favorite cat. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, my favorite gnome right here. How, how are you doing? I'm really fine. And I was going to ask you, I mean, do you remember the, the thing that we said around whenever we went on the ship and not free to play a game of cards? And you can teach me how it is done. Oh, you do understand a true master does not reveal all his secrets. <laughs> I understand, but I... I believe I have a keen eye. Maybe you don't. I am more than happy to uh, educate you in the ways of losing. All right, and I can be educated and maybe teach you that maybe losing is not the end. Of course, it's not. It's just but a beginning. Yes, the trucker is gonna 
do some flare with his hands, maybe kind of appear an agate uh, or a gem that he has on, on his pocket. And see, maybe that's a that's a nice first bet, isn't it? Or if you want to learn something, you need more than just one hand, but that's a good start. All right. And we will probably at some point like get around a table. Uh, I don't know if we were playing just the two of us, maybe with other people around the tavern. Um, yeah, there's usually there's usually people coming and going in the in the commons. Right. It's it's not as busy it is during the evening because most people are working on the uh, on any ships or the yards. What's going? Um, but there's some people that join you and uh, various card games that Conic Bar presents. Some of them you've never even heard before. They're you're brand new at playing these. All right. Uh, yeah, trying to pick up the games. Try, there's like kind of a bit of tension at the beginning, like, and and Truco is gonna probably like be refocus on whatever Kalakbar is doing with his hands, and also try to cheat in the game whenever possible. Slight of hand shenanigans, trying to sneak up cards. Maybe not understand the game at first, and maybe just that making that is making him lose. Well, before I do, is it is it is this where Truco loses a bunch of his money? Uh, maybe some of his money. I, I still have the the other idea in mind to play out at some point. Maybe to gain money, but at the same time, make it uh, round it up in a way of gaining money but also losing. And I would say at some point uh, in the game, I'm pretty sure he's losing. <laughs> he's losing. Okay, okay. You're not skilled in gambling. Conic Bar is. Conic Bar is okay. Right, but as he's. He's a skill in thievery, which would involve a sleight of hand, right? So I don't uh, know well, the sleight of hand stuff would would fall under the gambling role, not oh, thievery. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. That, okay, okay. That's, that would uh, be that would be part of cheating. All right, all right, all right. So he's really bad at it, and he loses. But we will <laughs> say though, as far as your hindrance, just to kind of like get the bookkeeping out of the way, over the course of a couple two or three different nights or days uh you you've played various games with conic bar trying to learn some stuff and win some money you've learned some stuff but it's been a very costly it's been very costly lessons for right you. at some point in the evening i will ask, i will ask how oh, many of that really you're i have to give it to you you seem to be really good at it are those these skills are going to be used upon our ship once again or are you thinking in maybe taking part part ways from this journey that we had so far? Rickety's is, seems to be a nice place, but I don't seem to have any. Uh, well, there's nothing here calling me yet. I see. And and there's there there's a, a half elf last next to him that you see she starts pouting a little bit when he says that. All right, I see, I see. Maybe there's not enough incentives here to make you stay. I mean, there probably will be better opportunities elsewhere offshore so far better to keep up here and just find ways to enjoy things well i must say i already lost a lot of money so i don't want to take much of your time so goodbye crack hope you see you again and i will at some point sneak in the back of the tavern and try to steal my money back he gets into the kitchen and the chef like we the cougar like finds him and, and kicks him out. I'm sure this caused you to try and redouble your efforts working with Albert. Yes. Which I imagine is not going as well as you had hoped. Oh, it would be amazing. Still, I mean, <laughs> maybe not the best. 
Did you have an interlude in, in particular, Russ? Sure, yeah. Um, I, I got something a little cute in mind. Sure. Uh, so what did I... I got a diamond, it looks like. Diamonds. Character so, studies uh, or works on an object of some sort. What is it? Or a backstory of something your hero wants or already has? I think uh, there there comes a night, maybe... Uh, this is after Dana and Russ's sparring session. This is, uh, you know, Truco and Owlbear are fully in the throes of... of whatever scheme Truco's got cooked up. So we're, we're a few days in and it's actually late on in the evening. And in fact, actually the sparring matches are going on outside and, and Truco might not be great at engineering these things, but boy, is he a decent showman. And so you've got a lot of people out there and Russ is done with his work for the day. In fact, the the whole work of, of squibbing the ship is done. All the day shift is done. Dinner's been done and people are, are drinking and, and Torland's telling stories down in the, the, the lower floors. But in, in the room that Russell has, there's a mirror. And so uh, Russ has come upstairs. He maybe found some excuse, made some excuse to, to go up to the, the room and uh, notices that for the first time in a while, he's actually been or felt like alone. He might have been quiet and he might have been, you know, in, in his own head. But this is the first time like he's had a moment to just like kind of look around and, and just be, you know, by himself. And so uh, the tricorn hat that Miss Quinn gave him. He really kind of looks down and, and contemplates at it. And he looks up and sees himself in the mirror. And so he puts the hat on and starts to realize maybe he kind of looks a little bit like a pirate. And he thinks back to uh, one of the plays that he saw, one of the big high adventure, Tresca the Wandering Merchants one of that series and serials. Um, and there's a side character, a, a pirate captain, like a Lirindar that, uh, that she crosses paths with a few times that, you know, takes her off to some of these more exotic locations like Zendrick whenever she's got to leave Corvair to go on, on her big, on her big adventures. And uh, Ruskell happen happens to know a few of those uh, those plays, and some of those lines really stuck with him. And so, uh, you know, he he strikes a pose, uh, you know, this real Lirindar-esque, you know, big, full-chested, arms out at the side, and is just like, them that die be the lucky ones. <laughs> and, uh, you know, feel a little good about himself, so he... And, you know, nobody looks around real quick, no, make sure nobody noticed. And he takes his jacket off and finds something to serve for, for a mannequin and, like, hangs up his jacket and, you know, takes a couple seconds to really set the stage for, you know, acting off of this this torn coat. And, you know, he's always checking himself in the mirror. He's trying to find the perfect angle to wear this this tricorn hat at to where he really looks the, the part of uh, uh, a ship officer and you know tries out a few more lines like a seaward hoe we're going for treasure it's the glory of the sea that turned my head and somebody walks in i don't know somebody on the crew maybe rosie rosie cuswell just like opens the door and sees Russ like fully mid bad acting, bad Shakespearean acting pose with this tricorn hat on his head, talking to a mannequined ripped as hell jacket. What in the name of camera are you doing? 
Oh, uh, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm inspecting my jacket because it's, it's re- tonight? No, 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 I'm. Is that what you're doing? Oh, come no, on, no, we got a show. No, no, I'm, 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 I swear, I'm, I'm just inspecting my, my jacket. It's, it's got this, see, it's got this big tear in it. If you're not practicing, are you doing dress up? No, 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 this, this hat, this is, it's, it's my hat. I, it, this is, uh, Miss Quinn. She, uh, I mean, yeah, Miss Quinn gave it to me, but it was, it was, uh, 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 I mean, you've heard me. I play fiddle real good. You know, I, I. I'll do some fiddling for your show. I, I don't I don't remember any of the the song. Well, I mean I I do remember some of the songs, but I mean they, they were real campy. They're they're not. They're, you guys are used to sea shanties. These are these are you know uh, tavern song. Well, I mean they're land landlubber. Is that is that the term landlubber tavern tavern songs? I, you use whatever damn term you want to. You mean it? You want to you want to try learning? One of these, one of these songs. Torland's got my great stories, but it's always nice to hear some different perspectives. Well, these I like are stories. I'll play fiddle. I don't they, care they, if you stand up there and look like a fool and rip your jacket up the other side. I'll play for you. All right, and and Russell head over to his his gear and and bring out a little uh, a mandolin, and uh, I think teach. <laughs> he's gonna teach Rosie Cuswell some Broadway. Oh. I didn't think you were going to take the bait on that. <laughs> nice. Um, I do think at some point mean? someone has to suggest that Russ goes to this mender, but we can we can handle that in another downtime. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I can encourage Russ to go get uh, get fixed up, but but also well, I thought it was it's something Russ was interested in, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I just uh, have to I jump mean, that gap you're... of knowing that the mender exists. But uh, we've got eight days. I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah, and rickety squibs is not that big. Yeah. I mean, 100 people is a lot, but it's not that many people. And especially if you're working for rickety. Incidentally, we'll go back a little bit. So you seek out rickety? Yeah, looking for work. Yes. What can you do? What you interested in? Well, uh, I got two arms and I'm, I'm good at... at following orders if if somebody can figure out how to teach me how to build if you need somebody moving around stuff or moving around equipment you got whole big loads of timbers up there that need to move from one place to another i reckon looks you up and sizes you up and down and stuff we got some yeah, we got some stuff that moved um i can pay you i can pay you a fair bit you can pay fair i can work fair all right we'll see we'll see how it works out since you won't be permanent here are you not you plan on staying here? No, I'm 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 shipping out. How long you been at sea? Better part of a year now, I reckon. Maybe a little longer. When's the last time you were in port? Gosh, that was Regal Port, little a uh, little over a month ago. So you've been at sea almost around a month, and you come to land and you you want to work? I just want to keep my mind occupied is all. And if you need the the temporary hey, labor, I'm I'm your man. All right, cool. I mean, yeah, clearly, because there's something not right with your head, boy. But yeah, I got some work for you. All right. Yeah, and he'll have, he'll have work for you. Various different things over the last couple of days, hauling stuff, working in working in the dry dock on uh, your guys' ship. St- I guess still known as the Majestic Griffin at this point. Any other quick little moments? 
Anybody want to cover before we break? Then do it after the break. Before we break, I just want to call out that Philip saying, wow, I didn't think you would take the bait is a phrase uttered surprisingly often. First time I've heard it. Oh, it's 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 happened more than once. He thinks it plenty of times. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I might think it, but indirectly. (laughs) Anyway, actually pulling Russ out to do some perform to potentially do a performance in front of anybody. Yeah, I did not think that was going to (laughs) happen. I jumped off a mast because of something that I thought was a dare. (laughs) (laughs) And that's to me, that's an easier dare than doing a performance in front of everybody. I would think so. I thought this was all going to be one set up by Cuswell. (laughs) Watch out. He called out Cuswell. I was quickly looking for the crew tab to find out who might have shown up. (laughs) Then he said Cuswell. So I I went with it. Welcome back. So we're playing out the first couple days that have been going on here. I know, Dana, you were interested in seeing if you could find crewmates and stuff like that. How are you going to go about doing that? Uh, I'm going to put out word on the docks that this uh, that the ship that pulled in for squibbing is looking for crew and um, get the word circulating on the docks and also uh, tell the bartender at this this tavern we've been frequenting that you know do you know anyone who's looking for work and if they come you know if they come in here looking for work can you point them towards me and i'm gonna hang out in the tavern over the course of like two days just you know be sitting there maybe doing like some odd paperwork for the for the ship or whatever and uh entertaining interviews as it were okay are you using any money to spread the word around if there are like some kids running around i'd pay a couple of kids to be runners to kind of like little news criers back in the day so this is going to be a networking role. Yeah. So how much money do you want to spend to assist your networking role? May I help this action by having Russ do his own share of networking while he's helping with, you know, the odds and ends and squibbing the ship? Yeah, other absolutely. Other dockings. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to put any money towards my, my role, but I, I'm hoping Streetwise applies here. That fancy new edge that I got about additional plus two to intimidation or persuasion rolls made to networking with shady or criminal elements. I mean, you're in a dark place that's changing the look of stolen ships. So, yeah, I'm guessing that'll apply. How much money do you want to spend, Dana, to try and help get the word out? I'm just looking for kids to be runners and criers, so I'm going to spend five gold and that's it. Okay. Dorla and I'll also assist with this. Part of it, I think that the mender that he found who is working on sales, maybe he asked that mender if he has assistants that he's training, asking about that sort of thing. Um, but I'll, I'll support as well. Just generally asking around town. A lot of what Torland's doing this week is just roaming about and talking and networking. Sure. Sounds like persuasion rolls from Russ and Torland. Russ gets plus two. Am I known as a bard here? Well, yeah, you told your story here. That's that's where it happened. So you definitely get a a plus one. I have a plus two then from heroic status and lore keeper. I'll throw a Benny at it. I'll throw a Benny at this too. Why not? I was a six and a six. We're sitting on a few of them. 
and a five. And a critical fail. Enjoy. As it shows. <laughs> I saw that coming two rolls ago. I got a seven at, wait. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I got a seven at my highest. And I'll hold on to that. Lady Oladra doesn't favor you today, I'm afraid. Oladra scowls. So, Jorlin, you come back to Sal. He's got your leather worked out with the die. He's, uh... And I've picked up my bone pendant from Tamroth at this point as well, so I've got that around my neck. Yeah. And were you interested in spending quite a bit of money on this, or just, like, as much to get the job done? I wouldn't be spending any money at all. No money at all? Well, I don't understand the question, I think. On the work that you had him do on your leather. Oh, I thought you were talking networking. Yeah, I know you weren't spending any money on networking. No, I assumed he had an asking price and I paid him. Okay. Um, So, yeah, you come to pick it up. He's done work. He's done what you uh, asked him to. So you got your collar on your leather armor quite blued up quite a bit in a nice brailish blue. And you start talking with him about is he mentoring people and, uh, you know, start kind of asking him around. And you're not sure what it was that set him off. Maybe it was the probing question, probing questions or something like that. But at some point he gets, he, he's like, what, are you trying to steal my apprentices? I'm working Nothing here. I got, this I, sort. I got you don't just go taking a man's apprentices before they're ready to start working out in the world. They got stuff to learn. Uh, no, 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 my man, you've got the wrong you idea. You said premature. They're not even going to be proper mage, right? We're just going to be a damn tailor, something seamstress. You can get that I'm anywhere. I'm just trying to get an idea of where What's to look around town um, for, for crew. And the unfortunate thing is this conversation happened while he was still had your like leather jerkin he was holding. So this whole time he's having the conversation, he's like holding up the leather jerkin and pointing at you and stuff. And you're just like trying to get trying to get it so you can leave. But he's got you there for a good, an easy like 15 minutes, just yelling at you and scolding him for trying to poach his his apprentices. And I paid you your know, five uh, count of far already. That's. Well, Inf- over what infringing upon his craft and tradesmanship and and Bender would charge. Just give me that uh, thing. <laughs> so, uh, so Dana, give me a persuasion check at a um, with minus one. All right, and I have a plus one from my new heroic status, so that is a straight roll. Sure. That's a three. I'll take my free reroll to start with from the charismatic edge. That's a four, and I'm going to Benny it to try for better. As a seven, just shy of a raise, so I'm going to throw one more Benny at it. There's an ace on the D8. That is a 12 I'm holding. Sure. So, Russ, as you kind of like, you know, you work at it, talking about, you can, uh, you know, one of the things you learn here is. Everybody here is either directly employed by Rickety or family of somebody who works here. And the the few people that aren't like directly employed, they're people that help other things happen, right? So there's like, there's some farmers here, so they grow their own food here for the most part. You know, there's loggers here that are cutting down logs and hauling back over to help with the ship. There's, you know, there's Saul, the mender working on sails, some 
ship mender, mage rights that work in the repair shop. So, you know, that's where the all kind of services are. And you kind of discover it's just like, this isn't a port of call that people come to, right? Everybody's here for like a reason and purpose. So you learn fairly early on that there's the people who come here, they've come here for a reason and they've come here for work, right? There's not many people here interested in joining on a ship. The pickings here are very slim for that, if there's any at all. But you, you know, you are getting the word out and stuff like that, but you do learn from that kind of stuff. And so Dana, you spending a lot of time in the commons, talk to the barkeep, yes? Wondered if I can spend a Benny to say that there are one or two people who kind of got stuck at Rickety's after the ship they were on got squibbed and for whatever reason they didn't make it back or didn't return back aboard before it sailed. So they're looking to get out of town. Well, do you want me to finish telling you what you get for your networking role first? Oh, sorry, yes. So when you first talk to the tavern keeper, he kind of like chuckles and he's like, you know, good luck with that. Doesn't give you a lot of confidence. You kind of learn early on that actually the Galifars that you're spending with the kids is just giving money to the kids, right? You know, they go run around and talk to people, but you don't get the sense that they're being extremely helpful, if at all, really. You know, and over the course of a you know a couple nights, you talk to Russ and Rush shares some stuff and you haven't had anybody. On your second day here, Serena comes down and meets you, you know, comes down to the common rooms one day. She's one of the original sailors on the Majestic Griffin. And she looks at you and she says, I'm staying here. I have no desire to be part of your ship. Hope you get blessed by Alondra, but um, I've had enough of this. It was good of you to let me know. I really appreciate it. And uh, well, at least I can do is cover a few extra nights for you while you're in port still, and I give her five Galifars, and we part ways. Okay. You know, the following day, there's a, towards evening time, you are approached by two Corvar, both of them blonde of hair. They look a little bit like each other, right? Although one's got a scar, the man's got a scar on his uh, left cheek, kind of comes in, and he sit, he sits down, especially after that first night. You guys are kind of known around here. Word travels quickly. So you need some some crew, huh? I'm hiring. I'm Captain Dana. You are? I'm Sastron, and this is uh, Sade. Yeah. And you say they're, uh, they're twins, but one has a scar? Yeah. Clearly, they're fraternal twins, clearly. It's um, male and female. Okay. Sastron and Sade, where do you sail in from? We've been here for a while. It's not an answer no. to my question. There aren't a lot of people who get here who didn't start here, as I'm led to understand. We've been working for Rickety for a couple of years. I think we've learned what we can learn here and looking for new horizons. You leaving something behind? Yeah, some good people. Not in any so. sort of trouble from where you came before you landed at Rickety's? Not in particular, no. All right. What kind of work are you looking for on a ship? Well, first question is what What are you paying? Well, where are you planning on going? Well, we're paying in shares, same as most other ships. Uh, you can you can think of us more as privateers than uh, than the sort of pirates you'd find around these parts. That's not how we're going to do things on this ship. There are certain uh, 
there are certain standards we're going to hold to, but we're not above creative ways of making coin. So you'll be paid in shares, same as everyone else, when they happen to split. Next, you see, uh, you see, Sade kind of look over at her brother and uh, kind of a little concerned and stuff like that. Shares, but you're not regular private. You're just going to do private. Who are you going to be privateering? Is there going to be enough that it's actually going to be worth our while? By the end of it, there's going to be something worth everyone's while. We're up here looking for land. Well, we didn't come here for land. We come for the coin. Oh, I know. But how do you think? How do you think a person sets up shop? Same here as in any big city back on the continent. Now we're going to be moving cargo. We might be moving passengers and people as well. Next port of call. Well, from here, we're headed out to Regal Port, pick up some work and see which way the wind takes us. We're looking to make a better life for the folks who are going to be on this ship. So our shares are going to be based on transporting people and cargo. That doesn't sound and very maybe, lucrative. Maybe the odd prize here and there. And I kind of grin. So give me a notice check. Yeah. What do we got? That is a... Four. I'm going to try for a raise. That's a two. I'm going to quit while I'm ahead and stick with the four. You see the looks on their face? They look kind of actually kind of concerned. You're not quite swaying them mm. right now with this with this talk of the odd ship here and there. Okay. So, so when you sit back and say this odd ship here and there and kind of smirk, you can actually see that it doesn't land very well on them. I'm going to change gears for a brief moment. Where are you two from? I mean, before you were Ricketty's. We're from uh, Palis Mardal. Which is? Valnir. Do you ask them, are you Valnir? No, I just ask okay. them where they're from. We're both far from home because I grew up north of Metrol. Look, I'm here with my ship to make a better life for the folks on it. If that's the kind of thing that you two might be interested in then for the most part it's shares like everyone else gets what i can promise you on a day-to-day above that is that you'll always have a place to sleep you'll always have meals and you'll always have some good folks in your corner and as i'm saying this more getting less mercantile and trying to appeal to their better nature the guy with the scar on his cheek gives me a funny look. And I just passed my adventure card to the discard pile. Jess? Love interests. Playing on an all-player character. The target eventually falls in love with your hero. He or she may tag along on your adventures or appear intimately to help <coughs> in various ways, but also get into trouble as well. Had to happen to someone. It's the second time I've gotten that card this campaign. I'm not just going to keep sitting on it forever. I can only say uh, you've done this to yourself. <laughs> well, then that tracks with my history with this card, doesn't it? Hey, and that history of the card had nothing to do with me. <laughs> I know, like I said, that tracks with my history with um, this card. So no, he doesn't give you a funny look. We'll backtrack a little bit. You can, uh, he's kind of pretty interested. You can actually tell that his sister, Sade, is like really, She's not like buying what you're selling. He looks at you and goes, uh, "Yeah, actually, that might that might sound that's kind of sounds interesting." And she goes, 
Rickety's paying us well here. If we're going to leave here and get shares in something, it's got to be shares worth value. And you're just talking about we're getting to get shares just from transporting cargo. That's not worth it. And you're trying to sell me on this stuff of just living a better life? What I've got. So give me a persuasion roll. It's a four. I'm going to use my free reroll to fish. There's that D8 Four just shy of... No, that is a race. That's a nine. Holding it. Okay. And Shashatroon, he kind of like, he goes like, we'll, we'll talk about this and we'll get back to you. So they end up departing. You know, later on that evening, he comes to you and he's like, okay, we'll, we'll join your crew. We're in. I don't think you're going to have... Uh, my um, work here for creating your diabolical schemes is done. It's not my schemes. It's the, it's the community schemes. Full tilt. <laughs> Bring it. Russ, give me a, yeah, persuasion roll plus two. Okay. That's an ace on both die. Four and 11. Uh, I'll hold that. So on the third day here, you've been assigned to work with some of the loggers going off into the nearby jungle, uh, finding some good timber. Uh, to cut down and haul down and bring back. You've been talking to a lot of the folks here. You've kind of learned everybody, not everybody that's here, but like a lot of the stuff that's available. You have definitely learned about Saul, the mender. There's a, a tinker here as well. Farming crew and stuff like that. The logger. There is a forge smith here as well that helps with repairing the ships. So Rickety's managed to like acquire uh, a couple of mage rights that help within his work that uh, speed things along quite a bit and help things out. You'll also know that he has another ship, a slope, that's not in port currently. That's actually down and uh, left over a week ago, down to Cliff Scrape to gather some supplies to bring back to the uh, uh, community to help things out. It's a regular thing that kind of happens. Um, I've had a few conversations with Rickety. He's always been very amenable and affable. Quite a friendly guy, despite the fact that you don't like to talk much. Is there any other particular questions that you might have about Rickety's? I'm just giving um, this to you since you're actually actively working with them. Yeah, actually, I know a lot of ships come through Rickety Squibs, but it's it's been made abundantly clear that like this is not, I mean, it's not a port of call. So all of our efforts are kind of being kind of for naught. So. I really want to know where is the closest kind of port of call to actually like get some of the things that we're looking for, crew, marks, someplace that we can get to close because we're probably still going to be at a little undermanned when we leave Rickety Squibs. What's the what's the closest hop? You know, about 80 miles, uh, 80, 90 miles south of Rickety's is Cliff Scrape. It's a small town. That's definitely the closest port that's going to have people looking for work, more goods. Stormwreck Bay definitely gets its name for a reason. So Cliff Scrape is kind of like just at the edge of that. Most ships don't go through Shipwreck Bay, but there's, you know, of course, a lot of fishermen and stuff like that. But uh, as far as looking for some new crew and resupplying stores, and you're going to want to head to Cliff Scrape because that's often what ships do when they leave here because Rickety doesn't have... He gathers enough foods and supplies to take care of his folks, but right. those aren't goods that he can provide to you guys on your ship. So generally, 
Cliff Scrape is a first place to go. And you also kind of learn that it's it's a bit on the shadier side as well because they do get a lot of squibbed ships that come through there. So there is a, a pretty active black market and illicit goods that kind of go on there and some activities that go on there based on the, a lot of the initial clientele that go through there. It sounds like my kind of scum. And you're having this conversation with Nora and Hadron. You know, as you guys are all cutting down some logs and, and uh, give me a notice check. It's an ace on the D4 for a five. I'll hold that. You do kind of notice um, near one of the trees that you're kind of working with a uh, fairly large footprint, larger than normal person's size and, and a bit of damp earth. Up until this point in time, there's not been like Goliaths or, or larger than normal people hanging around. Not All right. Well, then. Hey, is there other people in in this area? I'll point to whoever our crew chief is and our foreman and uh, be like, "Does this look odd to you?" Yeah, Nora, is this is this look odd to you? You guys get a lot of visitors around here, with people of yeah, if, larger if, stature. Frickity got a lot of visitors. Wouldn't do well for business. No, he hasn't. You you are proficient in survival, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't make a survival check. You just want me to keep rolling until I get a crit fail. I see how it is. No, that's Michael's I'll, job. I'll play your game. That's a three. I'm going to throw job. a Benny at that. There is. That's an ace on the D4 for a six, and I will hold that. So there's not like much of a trail to follow that you can find. You only find just a couple of prints. It is, they're not booted prints. And your kind of guess is, you know, it's just one, like one creature, not a group of them or anything. And, you know, maybe like, you're guessing like nine or 10 feet tall. So footprints a good 14, 15 inches. All right. Nora, I'm gonna go take a walk. Let me go follow this trail. The trail kind of disappears. Oh, sorry. It's, it's not I not much to follow. It. It's it's kind of old, kind of dated. You got lucky with a couple prints on some damp ground, but as soon as it goes away from the damp ground, it disappears. All right. Well, if if there's nothing to follow, then there's really nothing nothing to report. Nora's been made aware that there might be somebody poking around, but trail's a little old, if I heard that right. We'll just kind of lock it in the back of our head. Uh, uh, and I was reminded actually, of something. Cliff Scrape does have a lot of uh, trade and activity from the southern dwarven holds. Okay. They do get a fair bit of dwarven trade. Just for fun. At the place where the, the footprints end, I am going to send out a ping for Detect Arcana. It's only close range stuff. It's got to be in, I think, in line of sight, but you never I think know. It's ten, I think it's 10 inches, which is I, 20 yards. Sounds right. So it's still decent distance. Uh, it's it's actually half that. It is five yeah. inches or 10 yards. So you send out a ping looking for anything, kind of like scan around in a 360. Nothing hits your uh, spider sense. Okay. Then yeah, as, as it was before. We're, we've told Nora about it. We've done, you know, arguably what our duty is. So, I mean, I'm assuming since y'all kind of like doing your own things and wrestling and stuff like that, that evening times is the time that y'all kind of come back together again, usually each night or each day. Is that a fair assumption? So 
let's say this is on a prior day to whatever this meeting time is. Torland's got his pendant, his bone pendant, but maybe not the sky blue trim on his armor. So he comes to find Truco, just to see how the shifter is doing, and observes him here with his activities with Albert. How's that going? So well, it uh, seems. Uh, hey, Solan, um, and I'm just like handling my jaw, trying to hold it with like a piece of maybe ice, I don't know, and on one side of my head. Um, Slab of meat. Just, just yeah, meat like a like a, yeah. No, it, it's going great. It's, it's didn't you uh, see we, what he did to me? Uh, yeah, what did did you? I mean, you have um, do you did your beer? Is that? It's like oh, you have oh. something new, right? You noticed, did you? Yeah, I did, yeah. I, did. I mean, considering how it was before, it's, it looks was, rather sharp, any, doesn't it? It's an improvement, I have to say. Yeah. Yes. Well, I am to uh, look the part if I'm going to be a gentleman of the sh- of the sea here. I mean, you have to play play the, your part there. Yeah, you have to show. You have to be the the showman, right? And like, and. Maybe yourself too. You're gonna to be the the bosun. Oh yeah, that's quite the position right there. I mean, I have it. I I think that's the highest position that I had in a ship. I never never got to that. I mean, I, I'm excited for the idea. Definitely. I, I remember Dana talking about first mate, right? You have any? For the time being, there's some okay. some details we need to hash out and. Well, you know, it always seems like the two of us never see quite eye to eye on some things, but uh, we'll we'll find some methods that work. Uh, I guess that's sort of a good thing for a first mate to check the captain on some things, right? Yeah, and to respect the crew, which is an important part. Yeah. Listen, you got a moment? uh, Why don't we go find a a table overlooking some of the dock work and talk for a bit? You look yes. like you could use a rest. Oliver, you should look Oliver. He, he definitely needs more of a rest than I do, but... This Seems to be standing upright. Yeah, probably. no, let, let's go. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Well, his let's back's go facing a, me. I another, just, I'm sure let, I don't see the bruises. Find a table. Yeah, he's just showing that. Yeah, he's, it's, it's an act. Yeah, it's, it's a play. So Torlin and, and Truco go and sit down and... Well, you know, when we were having that conversation the other day, uh, I couldn't help but I was listening intently on on what you and Ruskell said, and, well, I never really caught you for much of an idealist, you know? All those things you said about the people of Seer and all that. Uh, I mean, I do want to keep that in my head. I don't know, would you say that would be idealist? Maybe a little bit. Uh... I don't know, I just always had you pegged to... I don't know, it seems to me like this is a good opportunity for us to either do something good or do something right for ourselves, right? And I'd always thought you were the latter sort. (laughs) Funny that you'd say that. I would agree with that uh, assessment. You said to do something good, to do something right. I was thinking more of to do something at least, uh, which is something that I wasn't really thinking about before meeting you guys. Uh, I was more of a just roaming around and just enjoying life whenever I could. 
and just get into that level of struggle and you then think of a purpose right it's something that that brings change to people right and maybe i see myself in that i don't know i still i'm still figuring it out i don't really know what i'm want to do what do i want to do so far well it is interesting because i went on a journey of some length myself and and through that i found this i did sort of find uh, a purpose a connection i don't know it seems surprising to me that you never f had any sort of self-discovery if you've been roaming for so long i mean i haven't been i mean i did I travel just, seems uh, to distill yeah meaning it definitely and purpose. it definitely does give um, one a sense of perspective yeah i mean i got stuck in a ship for like i would say three years not i mean stuck i wouldn't say stuck i mean i was free to roam around in the ports every now and then i was more free than in the stormy river that's for sure and then my roaming was i would say doing the same thing over and over which is was fucking things up at the place and then running away so i don't know it's, it's uh, i haven't uh, if I, from my side, didn't. I mean, that pattern keeps bringing back in myself a lot. I don't know if there is much learning to do with that. <laughs> well, I, I didn't make any comment on that, I suppose. One thing has been bothering me, and that's that, uh, well, I kind of feel like I owe you a bit of a favor, you know? If it weren't for you, I don't think that oh, any of us would have survive that mutiny much less myself it was you that came up and so skillfully took care of business up on that quarter deck and let me loose to face lagra oh yeah those change man the chains were like really difficult to unlock it was like they were really good ones you told yeah. me i tried to break it myself yeah uh, there isn't some sort of uh, favor you could ask me for i Never borrow, never lend, you know, as Beggar Dane would say. I don't like to be held to others for too long. Hmm. Now, now that you mention it, I do have a thing to maybe ask you. Uh, I mean, I do. First of all, I do have, uh, because I'm going, like, we made some form of ringing with Albert there, and we like doing the shout outs, well, come as to see us every night, and we do these favors. And. I present uh, like Albert as the Albert, yeah, yeah, and, and but I don't know how to call uh -huh. myself in that. And I was picking up some names, and I don't know if you wanted to like choose what was. You need the, a, the, the, a stage name. A stage name. There you go. Yeah, and I had I had some ideas, like for example, the Rigger Master. I have that that one. Uh, I could be the Nutting Cat. You know, like nut, like do nuts, like in the cat. like a good like ah. could be Hairball. Hairball, that's and like... Where did you say that it was that you were from? I mean, I'm from Metrol, I'm from Sire. Was there a, a district, a section uh, of the city that you called home? I mean, it's, I, I mean, was, my home was everywhere. Uh, I was just running around the lower parts of the city all the time. Well, you know, was, a lot of us dwarves that don't have a clan name will go by our, our origin or where we grew up, right? So maybe that could be some inspiration. That could be some inspiration. Yeah, that's too. Like, Metrol's Jaguar. I like yeah, that one. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's, that's a cool good. one. 
Yeah, yeah. I was was thinking like Metro's uh, mix. Yeah, and I was was thinking like too sexy. Scor- yeah, that's 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 uh, that's how cool. Yeah, I, I can use that one. Could but be no, good you know, with the ladies. Yeah, I wouldn't use that with Noreen. I also was thinking like the Scourge bringer, you know, like for Scourge and like a bit of history there. Like, yeah, that's a cool one. Well, I think that uh, those are some good ideas. Are you sure this is enough? Maybe I can get yeah, the harp yeah, out can to you, play yeah, for can you. you. Can you like present us? Like it is like yes, you can be like in yes. the center of the stage and just be, here on this side we have the Albert and this on the other side we have the Metro of Jaguar, Jaguar of Metro, right? And like yeah, that's, that's I love that. I like oh, when we could bring uh, Rascal to do like some pyrotechnics with his with his one, like like do like some kind of illusionist thing. That could be nice. I I think it's all coming together. Yeah. Pretty soon yeah. you'll have some sync offense of your own, maybe. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can, we can. Uh, like in the in the in the middle, like between rounds, you can do some like to play a song, like or to tell you, a story if you want. Uh, maybe I can tell another story from the ship, from and our, you can yeah. act out the fight with Albert. Oh, we could do that. That's a, that, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe having some with some illusions here and there. Maybe, I don't know, Roscoe's capabilities, maybe he can do something with it. Or maybe and Dana being there, like, acting with us. Maybe that, that's, that could be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I All right, that. well, let's, let's go find yeah. Roscoe and put this plan yeah. together. So, also, I, yeah. as, what, what's that? that? Was, I also wanted to ask you for another favor, if you're okay I'm with restrained. it. Yeah, I remember one time at the ship that you were telling us a story about this, I believe it's a deity, it's a god, I believe. I, I remember hearing this back in, in my time at Metrol, but I never got the name of the, of the god. I, I remember hearing this god of change or, or chaos, right? What, the, the Traveler, of course. Oh, yes. it's the Traveler. It's that one. Oh. And now I and now I see because I had an I had a, a, a gnome that I worked for that talks about like this god of change and things and and I never got the, the real name he never told me and I and I didn't really I'm really quite obtuses and I don't know shit I mean so that's the traveler the travel interesting the traveler well, you know that uh, I mean that journey that I talked about it's called the Skelga. That's part of the path that I follow is that of what's called a tail weaver. And we're these dwarven skulls. We go around collecting stories. And part of that is bringing us closer to this this path that we follow. And that's growing in connection to the traveler, you see. Mm. So what brings this uh, curiosity for you? I don't know. It's It's a weird thing. I keep thinking on... I suppose that the intent of the journey matters a little bit. If you were just wandering around for so long, perhaps that was the missing component. Who's the intent? The intent? You mean like a sense of purpose, right? Right? You have to open yourself up. All right. It's an opening of oneself up to their surroundings, and then eventually you might start to see that path, I guess. All right, open myself up. I will have. It's to all think very about it. figurate, all above the belt kind of thing. You gotta temper it out, you know, with what you're doing here with Albert. 
is what I recommend. To temper it out? Develop both the body and the mind. Oh, yeah. Like to develop my my body, at least for the capabilities that I have. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a cool one. Yeah, that's a thing too. There is nothing, like, I don't have to read things or to, like, study or whatever. Like, this is something that I have to, put, like, think a lot about. I don't want to. Hmm. Well, it depends on how, for me, myself, there is a bit of study. There is a bit of recollection involved. But I suppose that there could be some other way to, to follow the traveler, right. some sort of expression. I- I'm not really good at reading things, so I hope, like, at least it's a verbal thing, I hope. Oh, yeah, certainly, certainly. Okay. Uh, that's good, that's good. You know, it does come to mind, I, I've been having these these dreams lately, and these recollections, and some of it seems like it's coming from the past, but sometimes it's things that are yet to transpire, and... Well, you know, it. there was a legend of an old tail spinner that used to be able to to actually commune with with what he thought was some sort of entity that was an expression of the traveler. Well, it's not something I've ever tried before, but uh, there is information that could be gleaned from, from such a technique. And as part of you, you see this pendant that I've made, it's... I saw that. Uh, part yeah, of what the, I think that might help thing, me right? get to yeah, that like... point that I can do such a thing. Mm. So I don't know if if you ever have anything that you want to divine, you come to me and I might be able to help you with it. Oh, interesting. Okay, so like seeing into the future things and like maybe maybe betting on something, knowing how it will go, and then well, you, have to be very, you have to be very careful. Now, oh, because okay. is the there any like we can like gifts. Dis- disrupt the continuity of, ta- of time and space and no, just no, break no. things if we know things? If we know Nothing too much, like that. but okay. uh, the traveler's gifts one has to accept them willingly, but you should be very careful about it. Okay, I mean, I'm really careful with any with everything. I'm really like, I, I like to take my time with things, so yeah, yeah, I, I can do that, I, I can definitely do that. Yeah, the traveler, and open myself up. I will mm-hmm. remember that. Open yeah. myself up. Remember that. Now let's go and, and yeah. find the others. So, Torlin can do a support role for another one of these glory things? And Truco can lead it? Yeah. It's up to you guys, whoever wants to tell the to- tale. However you want I, to do it. I would like Torlin to support, I think. Was how it sounded like we were going to do it. <clears throat> Yeah, now, me, of, yeah. Of everything that happened, the two things that you still have available that you can tell a story about is the attack on the Majestic Griffin, right? Your guys' part in it and everything that happened on the island is the other one. Right. So I would um, probably say the, the, the battle, the naval battle and uh, yeah. because I I will Albert was there, I believe. He was on the on the ship. He wasn't with your group, but he was he was definitely uh, yeah, he, he can he can reenact his part in the in the battle, and we can all kind of participate if every one everyone wants to. Maybe just kind of in a like an interlude, real interlude in the between the rounds of this weird pitch fight. 
uh, that sure. it's happening somewhere. You drive um, the bus on this one, and uh, and I'll hop in when it, whenever you want. All right. So at some point, uh, like after the first round, like Turgo was a bit beat up, but not so much. Um, he starts to go to the middle of, of well, the pitch, and yeah, you telling this tale on the commons during the evening. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking maybe the outside of the tower. Maybe like it was like not the fight wasn't happening inside, but outside. Maybe near near the tavern. So mm. Torlin wants to support. Who else is going to support? I'll support. I, yeah, if they're okay. if they're Russ, asking Russ, Russ uh, can oh, I yeah. can Russ. I cantrip a pyromance like pyrotechnics? Yeah. Oh, we can we can set thing uh, something to light on fire really easily and you can it's just, a just one thing that's the support role support roles just need to be reasonable for what it is you're trying to do I and mean, it sounds like Truco's doing a full-blown performance here <laughs> well, at least uh, trying to is I'm, what i'm hearing so i'll allow cantrip sparks so you can make an arcane roll to support rust all right yeah uh arcana or spellcasting uh spellcasting because you're actually using cantrips and stuff like that to do sure. it right yeah how's Toilet supporting with uh, performance coaching and stuff like that. Was that kind of the impression? Performance, that I got? yeah. Uh, so Toilin does the announcing, and he gets out his bone harp, and he gets to strumming. And now you all shall be regaled with a tale of true travesty, the tale of the rigor master, Metrul's minx, the terror of all Karnath. And over here we have Truco, and he strums like, in rhythm as he's saying. Yeah, do like a reverence like thing, like reguing, like playing yeah. himself. Over, <laughs> yeah, yeah, him, yeah. Not yet, Delbert. And over here on the left, Albert yeah. playing Lagrange. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead and make a performance roll, Torlin. Rust, get for. Spellcasting roll. Three. I ain't I gonna a, do that. I got a six, and I'll I'll hold that. That was a six. Let's see here. I think um... I will spend one more bunny. Okay, that was a five. So six will six will do it, unless. I mean, I'm I'm gonna add to uh, add to his support bonus as well. Hopefully. Yeah, I'm gonna ask Dana like prior to this performance like can you like make your tattoo glow like in the sense like because we, i want to like represent the way the moment where you got your tattoo like can you like making it like glow at, at will i can show off a little and that yeah that might not be a bad thing yeah i shall play my adventure card oh. betrayed <laughs> what what <laughs> what <laughs> What are you doing, man? A trusted that, friend that, turns against twist. you, allying with your foes and spilling your secrets. I shall now refresh my starting bennies and spend more bennies on this roll. Wow. Um, you had conviction, too. You could have just used your conviction, man. Well, Actually, this is going to be one case that I'm, I'm going to have to say that there is no way I can figure out how this would apply. Okay bunch of party poopers okay well <laughs> no, then I'm that's just, very fine there's no enemies yep what there's about no a, what about yep. a small betrayal as a treat you can use your conviction <laughs> as a part wanna, of this performance add more to it 
That one's for you, Ever on Discord. We can reenact the betrayal in the performance. So what's Dana doing? So as per Truco's request, Dana, during the performance, will spend two power points to blare up her guardian's redirect and have those dancing blue sparks around her. And uh, I'd like to support his story by, like, miming out the sword fighting. I mean, it sounds more like a performance role. Darn, I was hoping to be able to leverage fighting. <laughs> I know you were, but, you know, when you throw in the dragon mark and you say I'm miming the fighting, it sounds a little bit more like performance to me. Well, here we go. Uh, that's, a, that's a two. I'm going to bunny that. Mom, that's a one. I'm going to bunny that on my last bunny. There's an ace on the D4. That is a five for another support for Truco. Okay, Truco, you can got five bennies, my man. Make them count. (laughs) So I need a persuasion check from you, Truco. At so you got a plus one from Dana, plus one from Torland, plus one from Russ, and you get another uh, plus one. So you get a plus four. All right, persuasion. That is what a what nineteen. What that is a nineteen with two aces. So much for those five bennies. Those those four. (laughs) I could try and waste my bennies for a critical failure, but I don't see it narratively fitting. (laughs) Okay, I mean your setup for the story with Torland's help is very well received and goes over pretty spectacularly. Uh, roll me a 2d6. All right. The villain of Bergenslide. 2d6. And, and Truk is like uh, using his rare athletic abilities to go around the stage and just like trying to step between the public and just trying to set up the scene, maybe scare people at some point. Try to like be as flourishing as he can be. And pointy, pointing out that Dana as he's glowing and like doing his reenacting of the fight and Roscoe as he's like right. burning this part of wood representing maybe the small boat uh, to the six you say right yep any minuses and pluses nothing, nothing. no modifiers it doesn't taste okay can I use my bennies to re-roll this if I want to or sure no? okay okay uh, that's a good roll but I will see where you use my bennies this will take a while oh that's well, the best roll okay. I can get okay so well, there you go well, oh, then. Yeah. so y'all get an extra well, 12 then. points of glory. Excellent. Team. Nice. Go team. And you all are here um, in the comments in the evening. This all goes over spectacularly. And you guys down, sit down at a table and start having a drink together. Well, Truk is more beaten up because of the next round after the thing. So probably. I'm starting to wonder if, if we missed our calling. Pirates doesn't seem like the thing that we're meant to do. It seems like we're meant to become traveling performers. <laughs> right. Really? That was a, that was a great uh, piece of it, art right there. It could be a, think, an extra service we offer when we dock. Yeah. You think that uh, maybe there's a place for us on the hand of plenty as troubadours <laughs> if we ever, if the griff never goes underwater. There, there is a performance venue. I'm, I'm sure you know. I wouldn't mind going and, and sharing the stage with some of the folks that are performing 
there now. You know, some of the performers were my good friends. We had we had a lot of good times together. I hope we'll run into them. What do you know about that ship? Where is it? Does it have a schedule that it follows at a certain time of year that it's in a certain place? That's kind of the curious thing is uh, fantasy. The, the captain, she's got some connections to the narrative and she's also a really gifted diviner. So they never really followed a, a schedule the way that you would think. She went where fortune, she could almost sort of predict it on the wind where and wherever good fortune went that's where the hand of plenty would would sail in the direction of and that's off also kind of how she avoided a lot of the perils and pitfalls of being a, a a pleasure yacht in the middle of pirate territory she yeah. has supernatural ability to avoid danger well if she goes where good fortune is then i really hope we find her in our travels speaking of once we're done here at ricketty's um well we've still got that guest of ours and i've got an idea of what to do with her i want to go back to the scene of the crime i want our next port of call to be regal port because it's time to start thinking big, and I think High Prince Roger might be very interested in the gift of Mika Rockface's right hand who came to Regalport and press ganged people right out from under the sea dragon's noses. It's a bold move. It is. A, it's time to be bold. Oh, you got some brass ovaries, goddaughter. <laughs> I've been told that once or twice on this journey. I don't disagree that, that Regalport should be on, on our list of destinations, but there's not enough crew here to really to get us up to up to Scruff. I think we should make a little detour towards Cliff's, Cliff's Grape. It's in the opposite direction. Well, well, not really the opposite direction, but it, it is a little bit a out of our way. It would be a good thing to do. We're sailing past Tidewater Rock again. Well, who knows what manner of creatures are around that part? And that's also the last place that uh, Lagra was headed, presumably Mika Rockface. Tidewater Rock's not a bad call for us, considering that Mika Rockface tried and failed to take it twice. Seems to me like the folks who live there might be interested in allying with. Uh, some more enemies of the prince. It's they could also be not interested in allying with anyone. <laughs> Just turn they us away. Be. Russ, why don't you ask around while we're still here at Rickety? See what folks know. Tidewater Rock's not that far. Uh, they they might have heard, and they're always meeting people coming in. They might have heard something. Yeah, most most everyone that I've talked to while while doing work for Rickety's, they seem to point in the direction of Cliff Scrape. But I'll I'll see if I can ask about Tidewater, see if anybody knows anything. Sure. And if we need to go to Cliff Scrape for a quick detour for recruiting, that's what that's what uh, we'll do. We lost one crew uh, today. Serena's not coming back. No surprise there. I did try to cut her throat, but we picked up two new in the process so a net gain of one it's better than a net loss do you have any idea how the other relish are are handled in that news was serena brelish 
Because the Majestic Griffin was mostly a Brelish merchant ship, right? Yeah, it was. It was a Brelish merchant ship flying the flag of the Dire Shark, so it was intending on making a port of call, probably Port Verge. I was chained up to the mast, so I never get to really meet many of these folks, but maybe you you all have some insight on them. What do you think in particular? I mean, I, I know now from... What I'm thinking is that if one of them's leaving, the others might not be far behind. Clicked up, as you might say. If they do, I'd hope the rest of them have the decency to tell me we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. But when it comes to finding more people, there's only so many random folks who are going to come aboard this ship. You, you mentioned the other night Captain Arland, that we might be able to get a lead on him in Regalport. Aye, yes. I'd like to try. I think it's a worthy endeavor. Go there, we find out about that stinking <laughs> bill swoggling tea house that we got uh, bunged up in. Like and I said, investigate we go those back rumors of Hersham, Hersham there. You're lucky. Wonder yeah. if he's been as unlucky as we have. Oh, sovereigns and six, I hope not. From what you've told me, that man's been through more than enough. Indeed. I'll start asking around for for information on the hand as soon as we make an actual port. But I don't think I'm gonna hear a lot about the hand of plenty here. Yeah. That's why I'd like to get to Regal Port fast as we can. Torlin, uh, you can give me a common knowledge check. I believe you get your lore keeper bonus for that. That's a nine. Um, I would say at the very least, uh, you've been around long enough, uh, been on the sea long enough that you've heard some tales of Tidewater Rock. You know, a common phrase that goes around is good fortune and sure sail await what one can crack the Tidewater Rock. And you know that kind of comes from back during the time of Galifar, a land grant was given to a lady, an Austro-Ear Andrik, till they claimed the island and start protecting the sea lanes. But it was discovered after some time that even though she was successful clearing the sea lanes, she is actually successful doing that to get rid of competition. And little did the King Gerald at the time know that uh, she was actually using the opportunity to engage in piracy of her own. Uh, Tidewater Rock was particularly well suited to a lot of activity that was going on there. She created a pretty sizable fleet and she became a scourge in the Lazar. She eventually claimed Regal Port shortly in the beginning of the start of the last war, but she was assassinated there. Everything kind of broke apart after that part. Her first mate aboard the Immortal Karn was the name of the ship. Adelis Helmsworth seized control of the rock and he was also a powerful force in the principalities during the early years of the last war. And so that's kind of where the legend of Tidewater Rock being uh, whoever controls it will eventually grow to become like a scourge of the Lazar. That's something that you have known from all your tails spinning. Why do where they tell? So what are we thinking? Going to the east? Going to the south? I think that's our two options now. Tidewater Rock or Cliff Scrape, right? If I had my opinion on the matter, I have some friends on Cliff Scrape, but... You do? No, not that I need it. Yeah, it's just, just a taverner there. This is a friend of mine. But. What kind of 
friends. Ah, you mean in the ship, uh, like crewmate potential way? That's why you're asking? Yes. I think not so much. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he has capabilities. I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a taverner. I'm uh, just gonna come out and say it. When you say your friend, you mean you're on good terms, or that you know him? Hmm. Now that you say, now that you mention it, I mean, I do have friends and enemies. There, the friend is a friend that I know, and and, and I think it's a good acquaintance. He helped me sometimes. I mean, he helped me to get rid of the enemies that I have on Cliff Scrape. Uh, not to get rid of, but to escape from. Uh, the, the weird side, I don't want to tell a story. But uh, anyway, I know people there. I would just end it like that. Well, as long as they're not people who are out to get you, because we don't need any more trouble just yet. But if we're gonna if we're gonna be looking for people in Cliff Scrape, then... It's good to have contacts on the ground. And it True. is a major True. dwarven port. You know, they carved the buildings out of the rocks there long ago, out of the cliffs. And it might just be that we could find a Coladrin or Colcheran Solar or two. Well, then it sounds like it's decided. Once uh, I don't get a sense we're going to find much more in the way of crew beyond the two we already did here and here rickety so once the ship's ready to sail we'll make for cliff scrape try to get enough people to make comfortable sail for regal port and go back there with our heads held high sounds now, like a plan dm would i know anything about the approach to cliff scrape from the north if there's any particular navigational measures or would it be necessary to have a map of the reefs or a skilled guide to navigate that area that would fall under boating. That's going to be a seven. Uh, seven, you haven't sailed around there too much. Um, Cliff Scrape is not too treacherous to get to itself. It's more that it, people continue on into Shipwreck Bay, where the waters are really challenging. Um, and that's where the, the bay gets its name. It's from how many ships it's wrecked. So. Not only is it on the precipice of a cliff that's jutting out from the continent, it's kind of like on the precipice of the cliff of what is Shipwreck Bay. In that sense, it's it's talked about at times kind of like it's on two cliffs, one of land and one of water, if that makes sense. Gotcha. And with that, we will conclude tonight's session. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode and hope to have you back next week. I'm Kevin playing Ruskell. I'm Ellie as Dana. I'm Michael with Torlin. And Ernesto with Truco. I'm your Dungeon Master Philip. Thank you for listening to the Mourners of Lazar Season 2 on Savage Tales of Eberron. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. I really enjoyed uh, Ruskill's little realization of dramatic flair. <laughs> that was a cool Always moment. Always a yeah. good performance. Like, I love the um, the scene. Uh, how it was pictured out the, the like the fighting or the like 
between Dana or the Dana and and Rascal, like the the whole going like just and talking and fighting at the same time and like Rascal is like the the taking off his jacket and just like <laughs> I love that I love that. So it's, it's a fun little trope. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I really like the performance when Albert comes out. Albert and and, <laughs> yeah. and Torland's like not 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 yet Albert. My favorite. That was I I had to mute my mic. I was I was going to start laughing into it so hard. I mean um, all of all of Truco's sobriquets, the Metrol Minx. <laughs> that's going to stick. Yeah, that was my favorite scene. I especially think since Torland was giving up doing the performance for Glory, I was just like there's no way this is going to go over very well with Truco because I don't even think he's proficient in persuasion. Well, he's got the D4. Everybody's he got has a D4. D4. I mean, it's the, um, the normal thing. And yeah. then rolled 19 on top of the, the die roll matched the storytelling buildup and pulling everybody into it. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was one of those cases where not only was it a good moment, the die supported yeah. the good moment. And I'm sitting here at the end of the yeah. session with five bennies. Because you just kept rolling them high. Yeah. Yeah. The moment I'm going to have to call out from tonight is Torlin feeling he's indebted to Truco and all Truco wants in return is a really good stage name. I thought that was just so delightful and and on brand for Truco because he's mentioned in the past that you know, he, he's, of course, the best, but he has admitted more, on more than one occasion in character that he's, he's not a strategist. He's not that the ideas man. So I thought that was a really great bit of storytelling and world building and character building for him to ask Torlin to give him a name for his, you know, this legend he is going to be building up about himself. I thought that was really cool too as well. And it seems that there's a bit of a commonality in that. Although I think in Torland's case, just doesn't like favors for a different reason than, than Truco. Mm. Oh, interesting. 